Episode 117 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back each and every week, as I'm sure you do. But if you're new around here, my name is Sir Dr. JM. That's Sir DRJM over on all socials. You can catch me on Twitter at Sir DRJM. You can catch me on Instagram at the same handle. But you can also find this podcast on threads at one man watchpoint all one word of course yes that's right i finally made an account for the show after 115 episodes i think um and it was only really because threads was kind of popping off there for a hot minute so i uh, made an account and everything however i think i've only tweeted a couple times from it but that is not to say I won't use it in the near future with some uh, recently announced events around the Overwatch League. But what could that possibly be referring to? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Of course, you can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that jazz. And of course, I encourage you to check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast if you enjoy what you hear here today on One Man Watchpoint. Ready, Set, Pwn is your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant around the Overwatch League. Of course, on recent episodes of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, we've had interviews with the likes of Sean Miller, president of the Overwatch League, Casores, head coach of the Toronto Defiant, Baroy, GM of the Vancouver Titans, and many more, including Adam Adamu at Grayson on Twitter, who is, of course, the interim CEO of Overactive Media, the parent company behind the Toronto Defiant. And the reason I bring that up is, of course, because the Toronto Defiant have been announced to be hosting the Grand Finals in the Overwatch League. More on that to come, though. For now, let's get on with the show. We've got a pretty newsworthy show to talk about today. Of course, we have... A little bit of news about the grand finals we have news about the future of the league and we also have news about the availability of overwatch 2 so without further ado let's dive on in. i feel greatly empowered all right so before we get into the news here we're of course going to talk about some free stuff because right now for a limited time only if you watch your favorite streamer streaming in the overwatch category and of course with drops enabled you can of course earn up to five battle pass tier skips in your Overwatch 2 Battle Pass. That's right, you have to have your Twitch account connected to your Battle.net account, but for every two hours watched, you of course earn one free Battle Pass tier skip. Now, of course, that comes with the caveat that you must claim those tier skips after each two-hour set. So you watch two hours, you claim your reward, you watch two more, you claim your reward, etc., etc. Ten hours equals five tier skips. If you don't claim them, you cannot earn progress towards the next one i myself have already done this i like doing it when i go to sleep just because when i'm watching during the day i'm usually usually watching other things but get in there get your free battle pass tier skips of course we are now in the i think uh just outside the final 20 days of season 5's battle pass uh so you'll want to get in there and get your rewards get your skins get your whatever it is you're earning from the battle pass i myself uh haven't been playing too much but i have been dabbling uh recently of course we had a uh, double XP weekend this past weekend, so I got in and uh, earned quite a few uh, tiers there. Um, I'm not sure if I will complete this battle pass because, again, I just haven't been playing that much lately. But I'm making some nice progress, and those free tier skips certainly help. Now, in addition to that free stuff, of course, we also have the Summer Games event on now, where you can, of course, play... Uh, everyone's favorite Lucio Ball and Lucio Ball Remix, plus a new limited time mode uh, in Winston's Beach Volleyball, which uh, I gave it a shot, and uh, let me tell you, it was not my favorite thing. Uh, definitely the the collision on the ball there is a little little bit interesting, that's for sure. It's, it's a little wonky, but uh, hey, it made for a few 
decent rounds, at least enough to keep my attention while I completed the challenges. Because of course, if you complete six of the event challenges, I believe it's six anyways, you unlock a nice new Doomfist skin. So I did get that myself and uh, completed a few of the extra challenges as well for a little extra battle pass XP. You do get some rewards like uh, sprays and things like that as well for completing some of those challenges. So get in there, get your summer games on now. With all of that said, that is all of your PSAs for the week. So let's move right on over to the news. We're going to start things off here this week with uh, not so much news news. We already knew this was happening. Uh, but just a reminder, of course, that the Genesis Part 3 uh, video will be out probably by the time you're listening to this. Of course, the other news would be that Genesis Part 2 is out now. So you can watch, of course part one and part two right now and part three titled rebirth is out july 20th at 9 a.m pacific time so again by the time you're listening to this there's a good chance it is already out you can catch it over on the play overwatch youtube channel and uh definitely get in there and check it out it is the uh third part and the conclusion to the genesis series that they have uh had releasing these past few weeks um in my opinion it's it's been a, a fun ride it is relatively short you know it, it passes by pretty quickly i would say um each video i think is five to six minutes long i i believe i talked on the last episode about the first video being you know just under five minutes i believe this one is just about six minutes so a little bit longer i don't expect the third one to be too much longer or shorter than that but uh right in that five to six minute range is probably what we're gonna get um but it's been providing a nice little sort of backstory or or a pretty high-level view, I guess, of uh, sort of how the Omnic Crisis began and things like that. Um, but but giving some interesting uh, backstory to it nonetheless, right? Of course, if you've been following it, we've seen uh, sort of the creation of this sentient AI that started the Omnics and everything like that. We've seen these god programs uh, go off the rails, of course, Anubis being the one that is mentioned in Part 2. And then, of course, we have seen some of the original Overwatch heroes, coming into the fray just in in part two there so it'll be curious to see what part three looks like because are we going to get some actual sort of character driven action it's kind of hard to say right now it's you know it's telling a pretty clear story and we're not really getting any individual hero details or anything like that but it's giving some good backstory to uh what we know about uh overwatch already so interesting stuff exciting to see and great to see our favorite characters in action um i, I am really enjoying the style of it all and everything like that now i know i had talked on a previous episode as well about the fact that you know maybe this would uh kick off some interest in a larger scale uh animated series or something like that something akin, akin to arcane of course with what riot did with uh league of legends um and netflix it would be very i think very tough to do a sort of whole series in the style that they're doing and i don't mean the art style i mean the sort of way they're presenting it because right now it's being presented uh these this genesis series is kind of presented as sort of a documentary style so i think that would be difficult to make into a you know season-long show but i could definitely see them sort of extrapolating out from here okay we have this sort of overview of what is going on now let's focus in on overwatch as a team maybe a character or two in particular um of the you know original overwatch characters and let's kind of really get into them and have them be sort of the main character of this story i could i could see it leading into something like that in my mind you know i, I hold out a very small amount of hope that will happen i don't truly believe that will happen but i think it would be cool and, and the interesting thing is then you could kind of say well where where does this Genesis part one, two, and three kind of slot in? Obviously, you know, chronologically it all happens sort of at the start, but I think they could have done something interesting here where maybe this turns out to be an episode, you know, maybe four or five episodes into a series about uh, a particular character, maybe about Anna, maybe about, uh, I don't know, it'd be hard to watch a whole show about Torbjorn, maybe about Soldier or, or Reaper or something like that. And then, you know, episode four, we get a little bit of the backstory, something like that. I think that would have been a cool way to do it. But hey, this is this is a neat, uh, neat little project that they're doing now. So anyways, get in there, watch Genesis. I'm a big fan. That's the takeaway here. And the next episode drops July 20th at 9 a.m. P.T. Now then, on to some bigger 
big, big, huge, big time news. But not even the biggest news we'll talk about today. I'm going to head over to dotesports.com with an article by Michael Zarr posted on July 15th. So that would have been just after, uh, a couple days after our previous episode dropped. Of course, this was Saturday, July 15th. This news broke. Canada to host 2023 Overwatch League Grand Finals in first championship land outside of U.S. The Overwatch League Grand Finals are always a staple of the league's season, usually leading to a massive crowd somewhere in the U.S. cheering for the best players in the world. But in 2023, for the first time in the league's history, those finals will be held outside of the U.S. The final matches of the 2023 playoffs and the Grand Finals will be hosted by the Toronto Defiant in downtown Toronto, Canada. The Mattamy Athletic Centre, which hosted the 2022 Summer Showdown Land Tournament, will now be host to the biggest OWL event of the year. The playoffs begin on September 28th, with the Grand Finals set for October 1st. Historically, it's been a custom for the U.S. to be the hosts of the OWL Finals, regardless of whether the home team makes it to that deep in the tournament. The New York Excelsior hosted the first OWL Grand Finals back in 2018, sorry, in Brooklyn, despite failing to make it over the London Spitfire and Philadelphia Fusion. The same occurred in the following year with Philadelphia hosting the 2019 final between San Francisco Shock and Vancouver Titans. After the rise of the COVID-19 pandemic, the 2020 and 2021 finals were played online, with some lands returning towards the end of the 2021 season. That second season had a finals venue in mind, Los Angeles, but was cancelled over health concerns due to the Delta variant of COVID-19. Owl fans finally saw the return of live finals in 2022 at the same venue as previous BlizzCon events. Anaheim, California played host to the Dallas Fuel against San Francisco Shock in what proved to be an exciting series and the crowning of a new champion in the Fuel. Now, a team will have the grand event as their homestand, similar to what Excelsior and Fusion had before the pandemic. Considering their early exit in the spring stage knockouts, the Toronto Defiant would have to make an improved run in the summer stage to automatically qualify for the playoffs, or will otherwise have to fight through the play-in bracket. The curse of missing your home event is a prevalent one, even though it hasn't happened in nearly four years. The road to the Owl playoffs will begin with this week's summer stage qualifiers, with the last chance play-ins set for mid-September. So... There you have it, the announcement of where our grand finals will take place. Now, of course, I didn't actually pull a story or anything about the format of the grand finals. Um, It is a a different format than we've seen in the past, where we will see teams basically play in these uh, play-ins, play-ins, as they said in the article there, um, in, I believe, an uh, eight-team bracket. Of course, it is double a limb, so, you know, winner moves on to the winner's bracket, loser drops to the loser's bracket and has to fight fight for their life kind of thing. And then, of course, uh, the grand finals actually drop down to a single a limb. So we have, uh, like I said, eight teams there. We have our, our two winners facing off and then our two winners of the losers facing off if that makes sense and then our grand finals match will be uh the the two winners there so different format but overall should be a very exciting tournament to see taking place over uh, a number of days there 28 29 30 and the first so four whole days of games in the overwatch league with of course the sunday there being the final day of matches uh, with just the three games, your semifinals and your grand final to crown a champion. So very exciting stuff. Now, obviously there's been a lot of talk about this. Of course, this venue is uh, significantly smaller with the Anaheim Convention Center uh, being able to host a max seated capacity, according to Google, of 13,800. The Mattamy can host, I think it's it's somewhere around 3,000. Um, I want to say 3,400, maybe 3,800, something like that. So this is significantly smaller, but I have a feeling that there's been a lot of consideration put into the attendance and uh, what exactly they needed. Um, I'd be very curious to see the actual live in-person numbers from last year, see how many seats they actually did fill at the Anaheim Convention Center. I do suspect that, you know, they probably had a fair number of the seats sort of blocked off because they knew that they weren't going to need them. And that's something that, you know, these uh, organizations typically do in order to sort of, um, you know, make sure that things appear a little more full is they'll actually block off sections of seats so that everyone has to sit in certain areas. And of course, um, you know, it just looks looks better all around. So the 
capacity has been a bit of a, a topic around the internet, that's for sure. Um, again, I personally, I, I don't think it's too much of an issue because I think a lot of work goes into determining what exactly is needed or projecting what exactly uh, they're going to see in terms of numbers. So I do suspect a lot of research uh, and planning went into this. Now, other topics, of course, include the fact that this is in Canada. This is a pretty big deal for Canadian esports, um, certainly for the Overactive Media, the parent company of the Toronto Defiant. Um, they have had a significant presence, of course, in uh, the esports realm, right? Overactive Media, of course, is the owner of the Toronto Defiant, but also the owner of the Toronto Ultra over on the Call of Duty League side, and also the Mad Lions um, over in uh, the European League of Legends side of things. And they've, of course, had some pretty great success with every league outside of the Overwatch League. Um, I believe they had a Valorant team at one point as well. I think they actually got rid of it recently. But in any case, we know that Overactive Media has been making great strides in the esports realm in Canada, which is not something that we see super often. Um, of course, you know, in the Overwatch League, we know that Connect Sports and Entertainment uh, owns the Vancouver Titans, but up until probably, in my opinion, uh, this year, we haven't seen a great deal of commitment to anything from the Vancouver Titans. Now, of course, uh, you know, runaway season accepted, but they kind of, I think, in a lot of ways, lucked into that that roster and that success. I don't think they were prepared for that level of success, and I don't think they uh, necessarily uh, accounted for that level of success when they brought over the, the runaway roster. So in any case, the point is, this is a big deal for Canadian esports, and I'm very, very excited to see the league supporting uh, the Canadian esports side of things in this way. It's I'm sure Toronto wasn't the only team vying for a the Grand Finals to be hosted out of uh, their their hometown. Um, I mean, I, I would be very curious to see who else was in the running. Um, of course, they did do uh, do the midseason madness tournament there uh, over in Seoul, which was also very exciting. So, um, you know, the first sort of international. Um, I guess it wasn't a grand finals, but uh, I was going to say grand finals. But anyways, a, a very big deal for it to be in Seoul, um, especially with two teams now based out of Seoul. So, in any case. I'm super excited for this, and there's, it's looking like there's more than a good chance I will be attending. I'm trying not to get too hyped right now because it's still in the planning stages. I'm still working on scheduling things and making sure that it can happen. Um, but overall, it's, uh, it's looking positive right now. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. If I do wind up going and if you do listen to the one man watch point, then of course, definitely come say hi to me. Definitely, you know, give me five, take a picture, whatever you want to do. Even if you just want to chat, let's chat because I'm very excited that I could potentially be there. Again, obviously nothing is confirmed yet, but it's looking good. So I'm very excited about that. And on top of that, I'm very excited that it's in Toronto um, and I've actually only really, I haven't spent a significant amount of time in Toronto, despite being, you know, a number of provinces over. Of course, that's one thing people underestimate about Canada is the interprovincial travel is often not something that a lot of people do, because we are a large country. It is not, you know, generally like flying one state to another. Um, flying from province to province can be quite a bit uh, more expensive and uh, timely because uh, of the size of the provinces. So in any case, I'm very excited. If I do go, it'll be awesome to spend some real time in Toronto, um, spend some real time sort of not just, you know, sightseeing, but in sort of a hub area and uh, getting to, of course, experience the Overwatch League in all its glory. Hopefully meet some familiar faces from around the league, some casters, some players maybe, um, and we'll see. I, I don't think they've announced any passes yet for the... Uh, for the event or cost behind the passes or anything like that. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to finding that information out and seeing what what I may have to do to get that in order. But overall, just ecstatic, absolutely ecstatic that this, this could be uh, the grand finals that I finally get to attend. Now, the other side of that ties directly into our next story. So for this one, we're going to head over to TheVerge.com. And if I'm saying The Verge, and if you're hearing The Verge, you probably already know where this is going. But we're going to read an article here by Ash Parrish. Of course, 
posted on The Verge on July 19th, that's today as of recording, which reads, Activision Blizzard lays off esports staff as it faces potential dramatic changes for the Overwatch League. Amid layoffs in the Activision Blizzard esports department, Overwatch League franchise owners will vote on whether to continue the league in its current format. Amid the final days of the Activision Blizzard Microsoft deal, Activision Blizzard is laying off workers in its esports department while also preparing for potentially huge changes coming to the Overwatch League. Early today, Blizzard released its second quarter earnings report, within which lies the potential fate of the Overwatch League. From the report, quote, During the second quarter, we amended certain terms of our collaborative arrangements with team entities participating in the Overwatch League. According to the amended terms, following the conclusion of the current Overwatch League season, the teams will vote on an updated operating agreement. If the teams do not vote to continue under an updated operating agreement, a termination fee of $6 million will be payable to each participating team entity, total fee of approximately $114 million. End quote. This means that the fate of the league after the current season is now in the hands of team owners to be voted on sometime later this year, though we do not yet know what the franchise owners will decide. Oh, sorry, let me try that again. Though we do not yet know what the franchise owners will decide, based on the shaky financial and team developments of the last few years, we can make an educated guess. Last year, esports journalist Jacob Wolf reported that Activision Blizzard was owed around $400 million in franchise fees from both its Overwatch and Call of Duty leagues after it postponed payments due to the widespread financial stress related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Then, last month, Sports Business Journal reported that the Overwatch League waived its franchise fees, canceling a portion of the 20 to $35 million in fees each team paid in order to participate in the league. Additionally, back in January, several Blizzard games, including Overwatch and Hearthstone, were taken offline in China because Blizzard and its longtime Chinese publishing partner NetEase failed to negotiate a new licensing agreement. Then in April, at the start of the 2023 season, the league announced that one of its Chinese teams, the Chengdu Hunters, would not be participating for the first weeks of the season as they, quote, continue to contemplate the future direction of their team, end quote. There was a hope that the Hunters, a fan favorite, would return later in the season before it was reported in June that the team was gone for good. Given all of this and the general cooling on esports overall, it's a safe assumption that the franchise owners will probably choose not to continue on with the league, take the $6 million payout, and summarily end the franchise era of Overwatch esports. However, though it is likely that the OWL will cease to exist as we know it, that doesn't necessarily mean it'll simply cease to exist, period. In an exclusive interview with The Verge, Overwatch League Commissioner Sean Miller affirmed Blizzard's commitment to Overwatch esports, no matter how the franchise vote shakes out. Quote, I want to be clear on one thing in particular, the Overwatch, that Overwatch remains committed to a competitive ecosystem in 2024 and beyond, Miller said. And we're building toward a revitalized global scene that prioritizes players and fans, end quote. Miller didn't clarify exactly what 2024 could look like, but said that the Overwatch esports team is looking at other esports leagues, for examples, including a league from Overwatch's own past, the Apex Tournament. Quote, if you look at our playoffs format that we're doing this year, that should be a clear indication that yes, we've been looking at Apex as one of our examples. The playoff format this year is almost an exact copy-paste of Apex Season 2. Miller, once again, couldn't give details on whether a revival of the Apex tournament was in the cards should the team owners vote not to continue. But he acknowledged that the Apex tournament was much, and then in brackets, much, beloved by fans and that no matter what gets decided, Overwatch Esports will prioritize that love serving, quote, the fans all across the globe and in the best way, end quote. Miller also emphasized the league's commitment to its players, but couldn't share what the commitment looks like in a post-OWL future. Quote, we're in ongoing conversations with teams internally and players are our top priority to ensure that this transition, should it occur, happens in the best way possible, end quote, he said. Because of the uncertainty concerning what the team owners will decide, there wasn't much Miller could definitively say about the league beyond the 2023 season. He reiterated that ongoing commitment to Overwatch Esports and committed to being as transparent with fans as possible. But despite the potentially massive change on the horizon, Miller remained optimistic. Quote, I'm actually very optimistic about the future of Overwatch Esports and the competitive ecosystem. We are doing all we can to make the player experience and the fan experience one that people want to return to, want to be a part of, and get excited about to turn on. That optimism, however, doesn't seem to line up with the reality of what's going on with Blizzard Esports Department. Blizzard's esports department. Yesterday, the company's esports department suffered layoffs impacting around 50 employees, which, according to one of those affected, quote, seems like a significant gutting of Activision Blizzard esports, end quote. 
In a statement to The Verge, Brad Crawford, Senior Director of Global Communications of Activision Blizzard Esports, wrote, quote, We remain committed to the future of esports and we regularly assess how our staffing aligns with our business goals to ensure we can evolve with changing trends and deliver and best deliver for our teams, players, and fans. As always, supporting our employees through the through, through transition, sorry, is our top priority, end quote. However, those who let those let go don't feel very supported. According to a laid-off employee who asked not to be identified for the sake of their future employment, the layoff came out of nowhere. Quote, there was no warning, they told Verge via an email. This was a complete shock to everyone, and none of us who were laid off were offered any opportunity to switch roles or teams, end quote. The former employee worked in esports operations and had the perception that everything within that department was going well. Quote, the team had obviously shrunk over the last few years as and esports as a whole has been struggling lately, but we were seeing record viewership and lucrative sponsorship deals for our Call of Duty League tournaments, they said. Overwatch League didn't seem quite as successful from a viewership perspective, but we saw more success than ever with our Owl skins and then in square brackets promotion and our side leagues like Calling All Heroes. The former employees shared that Blizzard was sunsetting some of the tools used to run its tournaments and that, before being let go, they were working on a new tool to replace those being shut down. Quote, as far as I know, that square brackets tool, is still planned to be terminated in the coming weeks, and our replacement wasn't finished, so I can only speculate that Activision Blizzard is closing its esports division, they said. They may be able to keep a skeleton crew on to close out the OWL and World Series of Warzone season in the next few months, but in my eyes, they are completely unequipped to internally support anything esports after that, end quote. As Microsoft's Activision, sorry, as Microsoft's, Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard looms, Miller's optimism for the future of Overwatch esports contrasts heavily with the grim picture painted by the now former employees who made Overwatch esports possible. Quote, I can't really fathom what the benefit is to lay off, lay people off when your company is posting record profits and your stock price is quite literally capping out with a looming acquisition, the employee said. This move isn't helping shareholders, it's not helping the business, and it's not helping the remaining employees. Whew, that was quite the article. If this is the first time you're hearing all of that, first of all, take a minute, deep breath. I hope that really pinned the mic for you there. Um, let's kind of let's kind of take a step back here and let's talk a little bit about some of this. So, of course, they start the article off by talking about this payout deal that could happen if teams do. Uh, do not vote to continue under an updating operating updated operating agreement. A termination fee of six million dollars will be payable to each participating team entity. So, what we're talking about here is the owners of the Overwatch League, of course, voting whether or not to keep things in the same format or change things. And of course, when I say format, I don't just mean something like tournaments, like the schedule, um, like the uh, format of you know each team plays eight games in a season then a major tournament then another eight then grand finals or anything like that or four majors or anything like that of course i mean the actual format of the league we have say 20 or 19 as, as is the case with chengdu leaving uh teams in the league um you know they have their own requirements they have a buy-in amount and everything to buy into the league and all that I'm talking about changing all of that. And of course, the franchises that come along with that, right? The uh, geographic location tied franchises. So of course, we've known a little bit about that sort of being on the horizon. We've heard that in the past, that there were talks about um, unifying some of the brands between the organizations that own Call of Duty League teams and Overwatch League teams. Um, something that I had spoke about before was, you know, Toronto being a... a uh, prime example of that and the success that they've had with the ultra brand um, I don't think necessarily has translated directly to the Toronto Defiant side of things so I could easily see um, the Toronto Defiant becoming something like the Toronto Ultra but in the Overwatch League side of things now even taking that a step further we could see the Toronto Ultra Toronto Defiant unifying the brand and just becoming the Ultra right or the Defiant no longer necessarily associating themselves or tying themselves to Toronto um, in a in a physical sense. Now, of course, the team themselves may choose to represent themselves that way. They may say, we are Toronto's team or we are Canada's team or something like that. But it may be less of a focus on the Toronto side of things. And, and you know, that wouldn't be such such a, um, 
I guess such a focus for the league as a whole. Um, you know, you could just be a team based out of anywhere uh, for all intents and purposes. So we knew that that had been talked about. We knew that those rumors were kind of swirling, and I could honestly see that happening. Um, there was also, you know, speculating outside of Toronto. Of course, we have a team like the Vancouver Titans and the Seattle Surge, who are, of course, owned by the same operating group or are sort of closely tied. Um, and of course, we could then see, you know, something like the Seattle Surge moving to Vancouver and maybe unifying that brand in some way. Now, that all ties into this. But again, we didn't have the information about this supposed buyout, where if teams do not want to continue with the league, they have a termination fee that they pay and they are out. So that is kind of where the the hammer falls in that we went from talking about some sort of brand unification, um, maybe some changes to sort of the geographic or region ties with these teams, to now talking about losing teams and organizations entirely. If the Florida Mayhem, for example, said, we do not see a future with the Overwatch League, we will pay an, a, 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 an out fee, and we are gone, then guess what? We would now be down to 18 teams. If the Los Angeles Gladiators, who are maybe a better example, um, said we don't want to continue with esports and they shut down entirely, then guess what? Now we're down to 17 teams. So this is where things get really interesting, of course, because we could be losing the league in general. Um, and I do think with that, with a significant change like that, it's a different case than when we talk about brand unification or, or something like that. Um, brand unification could basically just mean teams renaming, teams rebranding, that kind of thing. But the Overwatch League would still exist as we know it today. What they're talking about here with all these teams leaving or having the opportunity to leave, I think pretty directly you see the collapse of the league, right? Um, losing one team in the Chengdu Hunters was uh, unfortunate, but I don't think it was necessarily unforeseen by a lot of people around the league given the unease in the Chinese market. Um, I'm actually a little bit surprised that we didn't see more teams um, having challenges like this, of course, because we know that Overwatch is not technically playable outside of China or within China. Um, but once we start seeing more and more teams drop out, it gets harder and harder to uh, actually have a format and schedule and reliable league uh, setting. So this also then of course, ties into what they talked about later on in the article, which I'll come, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll touch on everything here. Um, in that The Verge talked about interviewing Sean Miller, of course. Uh, they have him listed as Overwatch League Commissioner. Now, I was pretty sure he was actually president of the Overwatch League or something to that extent. I'm pretty sure if you look at his Twitter, that's what his actual title is, but it doesn't matter. Um, Sean Miller basically talking about the fact that they are committed to Overwatch esports beyond the 2023 season right he is saying that you know 2024 and beyond he quite literally they have a quote from him 2024 and beyond uh we're building toward a revitalization a revitalized global scene that prioritizes players and fans so he is talking about a different format he is you know reading between the lines he's talking about a different way of presenting the league i think in a different uh different style for the league so the one thing that i find interesting is that in his quotes, I don't believe in any of them, he actually refers to the Overwatch League. He does not say the words together, Overwatch League. If I'm not mistaken, he says Overwatch and Overwatch Esports, which again is what I find interesting about this whole collapse of the League thing. This could very well spell the end of the Overwatch League as we know it. Again, the article references Apex, which was a very popular uh, tournament uh, in Overwatch before sort of uh, the Overwatch League itself really launched off the got off the ground and everything. But Apex was also more of a small region style thing. So it's entirely possible that when they talk about this, we're in line for something like that. It's entirely possible that we're in line for a smaller regional 
uh, format where you have, say, a North American region, you have, say, a European region, you have, say, uh, an APAC region, or even a Chinese region, a Korean region, etc., etc. We see this in other esports leagues. I believe Valorant does this, this style of thing. I believe League of Legends does this style of thing as well. Um, so it's entirely possible that we see that, and those, generally speaking, are not tied specific to specific geographic regions. So to me personally, um, it would be a little bit of a bummer to see that. One of the interesting things about the Overwatch League is that uh it previously had a very global focus now of course as i mentioned there'd be different likely be different regions of play and it is entirely possible as well that at some points there is a some form of unifying body that brings these different regions together for a larger tournament or what have you um in my mind that's kind of what i would like to see we could you know maybe we don't have the overwatch league anymore but we have a brand called overwatch esports and perhaps they are sort of a governing body that provides rule maybe a rule set or things like that and maybe tools and things like that to these different orgs uh, or these different regions i guess you could say um allows them to compete under the overwatch esports brand but it would be let's say overwatch esports north america overwatch esports europe overwatch esports whatever um and then perhaps they do organize a sort of singular tournament at some point or another um you know, maybe every, I don't know, September through October, just to keep it similar to uh, the format we have now, there is a an, a grand Overwatch Esports Grand Finals where they bring the best two teams out of every region or out of, you know, three or four regions into one place to compete. And they kind of have a really big celebration of it all. That could be something that could be very exciting, could be very, very cool. Um, again, we, we don't know at this stage, but we've seen things like that in the past. And I... I would argue that it is arguably easier to support and easier for fans to follow. And that's one thing that Sean Miller talked about a number of times here, and I forget who the other person they had uh, quoted there, but he also referred to uh, doing what's best for players and fans. And in a lot of ways, that is easier for players as well, because then you are focused on your region. You are in one singular area, um, even though a continent like North America may be large, at most, you're playing on a couple hours difference time zone. You're not playing on a 12-hour difference time zone or something like that where you're up at 3 in the morning because you live in Korea and your team is based out of, I don't know, uh, San Francisco or something like that. I don't actually know that that's the time difference, but I digress. So there's a lot in there to digest. Um, it's very, very interesting. And of course, they kind of listed here in the article the the one two three four five six seven eight punches that the overwatch league really had to endure and of course the one that they didn't uh mention was of course all the controversy controversy around bobby kotick of course uh the the owner or whatever the highest dude in activision blizzard who's just by all accounts a, a general scumbag um and the terrible things that he did and has done and continues to do at the top so uh, in, in my mind, that is actually a pretty significant contributing factor to all of this change because, of course, we know that, um, that he caused a lot of problems in in outside of things in general. And, of course, Blizzard has not had its or has had its share of controversy as well. Blizzard, the development studio. So, like I say, it was not just a one-two punch or a one-two-three punch. It was a one-through-twenty punch in a lot of ways to the overwatch league to blizzard to activision um to these these esports leagues so now one thing i haven't touched on and one thing that they sort of touched on towards the end of the article there um is of course these the layoffs that have happened as well so first of all thoughts and prayers go out to everyone affected by the layoffs um not just the people who are jobless now but of course their families and and people that they support um who now find themselves in a pinch because that is not a good situation to be in. That is all around a shitty situation to be in um, and not something that we ever like to see. So really thoughts go out to them. Um, I mean, if there was anything I could do, I would offer, but I don't think there's much I can do. I don't think any of them even know my name or listen to me. But in any case, of course, I hope they all land on their feet. I hope they all find a place uh, that treats them how they deserve to be treated, uh, which is probably a lot better than this. Um, of course, if you go on Twitter and you follow the Overwatch League or Overwatch in general, you will find many, many, many people tweeting about this and talking about uh, 
no longer having a job. So if you can help them find something, then definitely do that. I know I've seen a few people um, sort of floating around either either the Overwatch League or game development um, or directly involved that are, you know, starting Twitter threads of, hey, reply to this if, uh, you know, if you're now out of a job and looking or um, other people just, you know, uh, tweeting out people's handles that they've worked with saying, hey, if you're looking for a talented person, video editor, whatever, I worked with these 10 people and things like that. So definitely, if you have the means and and you uh, have the knowledge and experience with some of these people, definitely support them in that way if you can. So um, yeah, that's, that's one of the big things. Um, layoffs. Layoffs suck. Uh, layoffs are always the fault of poor management. Um, and always there is uh, the people at the top are to blame for them. So um, when you talk on this scale, so definitely I hope they all land on their feet. Um, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we don't see an impact on, on the product that we all enjoy in the Overwatch League. But of course it may be the case that we do. Um, and also generally speaking, this was, this was just poorly handled. It really blindsided people. Um, we have someone like Zoe, uh, who of course, uh, you know, main host of the Overwatch League, who of course uh, has recently in this in the break between the first half and the second half of the Overwatch League season, uh, took a trip back home, I believe, to Switzerland. And uh, she was traveling here back to North America and basically sounds like got off the plane to find out that this had happened. So definitely just you know a bad look for overwatch in general um for the organization blizzard and yeah, as an organization just just very poorly handled um anyways the article then talks about as well the fact that they had actually been seeing some decent sponsorships with things like the call of duty league you know it doesn't seem like any of this makes sense, is what I'm saying. The layoffs seem like the the really mind-boggling part of it. To me, it feels a lot... It feels very icky in general, but it feels a lot like you're talking about the end of the Overwatch League. You're talking about it is June 20th. We have August, September, October. We have less than three months left in the Overwatch League, and you couldn't keep those people on to finish off the Overwatch League season. What is up with that? You know, there's there's something going on here. It's almost like they knew that down the line, you know, let's say Overwatch League concludes October 1st and conversations with the organizations ensue, the vote takes place, the league is disbanding. Well, guess what? You now have a, an easy out to let go of all these people. Hey, guess what? The league is no more. Although not a, not by any means a good excuse. What other excuses there then? The, this organization is just ending, right? Um, why? It just doesn't make any sense to lay off these people at this stage, if you ask me. So anyways, that's the big news around the Overwatch League. If, again, if you're in the Overwatch League scene, if you're around the Overwatch League scene in any capacity... Just look at Twitter today to see the the bombs that dropped. Um, just so many people now looking for jobs. Um, so much shock to all of this. There was a lot of confusion at first when the article first broke. Um, people like Jake, of course, host uh, on on the desk in the Overwatch League, um, tweeting out something like uh, whatever he tweeted. He tweeted out something that was that seemed very much like he had already been let go. Um, and there had to be some clarification there that he, in fact, had not been let go. Um, but generally speaking, you know, all the people with a platform and and anything of a following around the Overwatch League speaking up and talking about how, how shitty this is, um, how terrible a situation it's put all these people in. And I'm just hopeful that a lot of these people, that all of these people land on their feet, honestly. And I'm anxious to see what, what happens with the league of course I, I don't think that's surprising to anyone i think everyone at this point is now anxious to see what happens with the league and the one thing i haven't mentioned of course is the fact that we are coming off of the article where i just talked about toronto is now hosting the 2023 overwatch league grand finals so guess what this means this could officially be the final grand finals. And of course, that's going to be the name of this episode, the final grand final. Now I'm going to put a question mark there because we don't know that for sure. But 
I would even suspect if the league disbands, they, you know, whatever I just said, they rebrand as Overwatch Esports or what have you. They rise from the ashes of the Overwatch League to become Overwatch Esports. They do this regional thing, whatever. I would suspect they don't use the same branding and naming as Grand Finals. I would think it becomes Overwatch Esports Grand Championship or or whatever like that, right? I would think they stay away from as much of the old league branding as they possibly can. So with all of that said, all of this adds up. Going back to me talking about attending the Grand Finals, this all kind of piles on top of each other and adds up to the the possibility of me going to the Grand Finals because I really want to make it work so that I can experience this league in all it has to offer, you know, maybe one last time, right? Um, again, maybe not, right? We don't We don't know at this stage, but it would be very exciting to be able to be there, experience it, just have a blast, not knowing what the future holds. And then who knows, maybe, you know, maybe the day after it all ends, the league is done. That's it. And hey, I was at the final grand finals. And maybe the league stays together. And hey, I was at season six of the Overwatch League grand finals in Toronto. You know, maybe it's as simple as that. Who knows? But yeah, now that's that. I just talked for quite a while on that. So let's change gears just a little bit. We've got a little bit of good news to talk about here. So I'm going to jump over to an article by dottiesports.com. This one, nice, light, fluffy article here, um, but an exciting one nonetheless, and a, a actually surprising change to Overwatch. So over on dottiesports.com, also dropped on July 19th, an article by Max Michelli. Now, the interesting thing about the timing of this is it did drop pretty quick after the Verge article dropped as well. So I do think this was a bit of damage control. It was a bit of, hey, let's just, you know, we've got this mountain right here. Let's just sprinkle a little bit of good news on top of it so that maybe the mountain looks a little less intimidating and and to to an extent i think it it helped i wouldn't say it did the trick but it certainly helped a little bit let's get in there the article reads blizzard attempts to rescue overwatch 2 with historical platform change blizzard is planning to make an aggressive move by saying today that it intends to make overwatch 2 the company's first ever game to be uh, available on steam following a financial report by activision blizzard that painted a less than stellar picture of the game's current state Traditionally, Blizzard has made all of its titles available through its own Battle.net platform, but in a post today, the developer suggested it is looking to expand the game's audience by working with Valve to get it on Steam. The game will be available on Steam starting on August 10th, the same day as the release of Overwatch 2 Invasion, which includes PvE story missions. Quote, It's our goal at Blizzard to listen to players and try to exceed their expectations in everything we do, Blizzard President Mike Yabara stated it, said in a statement. Quote, while Battle.net remains a priority for us now and in the future, we've heard players want the choice of Steam for a selection of our games. The move comes following a Q2 financial report this morning that had noted player engagement and investment in Overwatch 2 had, quote, declined sequentially in the quarter. Jared Noose also tweeted, We've been working with Valve for months to be Blizzard's first game ever to launch on Steam. It's been incredibly tough to keep quiet about a project that we're all so passionate about, but now we can finally talk about it openly. To our community, please welcome our new Steam friends joining us on August 10th with open arms and your best emotes. To our future Steam players, welcome to Overwatch. We hope you love our game, world, and heroes as much as we do. I'll see you out there. The article continues. Meanwhile, the financial report also mentioned that the Overwatch League, which monopolizes the player's professional scene, will have a team vote for an updated operating agreement. At the end of the 2023 Owl season, teams that do not wish to continue with the league will be allowed to exit the league and paid a termination fee of $6 million if they choose to do so. Adding Overwatch 2 to Steam will likely be received well by fans because of how prominent Steam is as a platform, but the timing of the move and announcements can't be understated. As Activision Blizzard Esports leagues, quote, continue to face headwinds, end quote, according to the company's financial reports, this move may very well be viewed as an attempt to at an easy PR victory to counterbalance some of the more difficult announcements made earlier in the day. Obviously, the article there, written by Max, he very clearly um, touches on what I was just saying about, you know, lessening the, the sight of that ungodly mountain. So... Exciting news, nonetheless. Uh, obviously, bringing the first ever or the first ever Blizzard game to come to Steam is a big deal, um, and it does certainly open up Overwatch to a new audience, right? There's obviously going to be a number of players that you know maybe just 
have never been a fan of Blizzard games, have maybe never, you know, wanted another client to launch games from, that kind of thing. Any number of reasons that people just prefer Steam. We obviously know that it is the industry-leading platform. And with Overwatch 2 being a free-to-play platform, uh, I guess free-to-play live service game, it's a no-brainer, right? Um, obviously, there are microtransactions in that you can buy coins or credits or whatever the hell they're called um, to buy skins and you have to be able to buy the battle pass and all that fun stuff. Um, but in any case, uh, a good move to widen the audience of Overwatch. And of course, again, drum up a little bit of positive hype. And with that, that brings us to the end of the news segment of the show. Now, before we close things out here, we are going to, of course, talk a little bit of Overwatch League because this past weekend we did have a few matches and this upcoming weekend we, of course, continue with the second half of the Overwatch League season. So let's get in there and take a look at the Overwatch League. Be consumed by the shadows. All right, so to kick things off in the Overwatch League, we're, of course, going to talk about a few changes around some of the rosters that happened uh, between last episode and today's episode. Of course, most of these did occur um before the matches that occurred this past week however there were i think a couple of announcements that dropped uh just after this weekend's matches this past weekend's matches so in any case uh one thing i didn't mention last week san francisco seemingly adds striker to the roster again now this was a little bit of a i really wasn't sure if it was bait or what san francisco did drop an official video of crusty sort of inviting striker back striker coming back that kind of thing but it seemed very sketchy like very like i don't know if this is a legitimate announcement or not but other places have reported on it, so I'm announcing it here. It seems like Stryker back to the San Francisco Shock. Mr. Flip-Flop uh, heading back over there. So, anyways. Other than that, Houston, of course, cuts Gargoyle. I did hear that I believe he retired, um, so I don't know how much uh, went on there. If it was really his, if it was more his decision than theirs, who knows? The Soul Dynasty, of course, cut Lisumin and added Vindame, who last week we would have talked about uh, was cut from the San Francisco Shock. So Vindame, or yep, Vindame, going back to San Francisco, and then I believe it was just this week that it was announced that Wizard Young uh, is no longer with the Atlanta Reign. This one, I kind of have to assume, um, without knowing anything, I have to assume this was a personal decision on his part, simply because Atlanta is not having many struggles this season, it would seem. So in any case, that's the movement around the league. Now, let's take a look at this past week's matches before we get into our pickums and, of course, this upcoming week's matches. So things started off on Thursday, July 13th with the Florida Mayhem opening things off with a bang, beating the Houston Outlaws 3-0 in what was an impressive showing from the Florida Mayhem. The Atlanta Reign then beat the London Spitfire in a 3-0 fashion, no surprise there. And then the San Francisco Shock came out swinging to beat the Los Angeles Gladiators 3-0 as well. So San Francisco looking... I want to say much improved, but really it's kind of hard to say because the Gladiators are not looking like they have improved much and in fact looking like they've moved backwards quite a bit. Friday, July 14th, we saw the Guangzhou Charge beat O2 Blast 3-1. Then the Seoul Inferno beat the Hangzhou Spark 3-0. Then the Shanghai Dragons beat the Seoul Dynasty 3-1. So good for Shanghai. Maybe, maybe, just maybe uh, seeing a bit of a turnaround here. Who knows? The New York Excelsior over in the West region then 3-0'd the Vegas Eternal. Uh, good stuff there. I'm, I'm pleased to see that. The Los Angeles Valiant then came out with what was probably the most surprising match of the weekend and managed to beat the Los Angeles Gladiators in a 3-2 fashion. So good for the Valiant getting their first win on the season they're no longer the only team or no longer one of two teams with no wins on the season of course that is held by the las vegas Eternals. so good for the valiant it was an impressive win it was hard fought on their part um but the gladiators looking a little bit discombobulated right now that's for sure then finally closing things out on friday the san francisco shock three twoed the washington justice so again you know washington i wouldn't have previously said was as strong as the gladiators the fact that san francisco three owed the gladiators and then the valiant three twoed the gladiators and then san francisco beats washington three two seems a little bit like uh the wins against the glads right now are maybe 
um, a little bit more losses from the gladiators, if if you will, right? Um, in any case, San Francisco beats Washington 3-2. Then on Saturday, July 15th, out in the east, the Hangzhou Spark beat the Guangzhou Charge 3-0. The Dallas Fuel beat Poker Face 3-0. The Seoul Dynasty beat Pantera 3-0. And Dreamers beat Shanghai 3-1. Then, of course, we moved over to the west for our first Battle of Canada on the season. Of course, we have two this season, both falling in the second half of the season. And the Toronto Defiant pulled out a 3-2 victory over the Vancouver Titans. And this was a great match to watch. If uh, if you aren't a fan of the Vancouver Titans or the Toronto Defiant, but you're looking for a match to kick on and, you know, watch in the background or something, go check out this match. It was a lot of fun. Um, of course, both teams seeing some recent additions and uh, recent cuts to their team in reverse order. Um, and both teams really looking like they're starting to gel well with uh, their new additions. Of course, Vancouver bringing over Hisang from the uh, San Francisco Shock um, and Toronto bringing over Spectra and um, Opener, of course, who I believe both were not playing in the league um, and both looking pretty stellar with the Toronto Defiant, uh, both both making a good impact. So it was a great match. Um, I'm pleased with Toronto for winning. I would have been pleased with Vancouver for winning, but overall, very exciting. The Atlanta Reign then 3-0'd the Washington Justice, the Boston Uprising then 3-1, taking a victory over the Houston Outlaws. So Houston coming out of this weekend with two losses, which is surprising for Houston. Um, Certainly Boston, though, looking strong. The New York Excelsior then take a 3-0 win over the London Spitfire, and London continuing to struggle. We then move to Sunday, July 16th, when the Dallas Fuel beat O2 Blast 3-0. The Soul Infernal beat Poker Face 3-1, and Dreamers beat Pantera 3-1. The Florida Mayhem then in the West beat Vancouver Titans 3-1. Good for Vancouver for getting a map off Florida. Florida looking very dominant so far. Um, of course, taking a, what was it, a 3-0 win over, yep, 3-0 win over the Houston Outlaws. So good stuff there. The Boston Uprising. 3-1 over the Vegas Eternal. A little bit concerning that they lost a map to the Vegas Eternal. But again, you know, overall, I mean, nothing to sweat, really. Boston looking dominant. Then to close things out on Sunday, July 16th, and for the weekend, we saw the Toronto Defiant get a 3-0 win over the Los Angeles Valiant. So exciting stuff to see there. Um, looking good all around. We're seeing some changes. This meta seems like we're seeing, you know, a little bit of action that we haven't seen previously. So overall, exciting stuff. And that, of course, brings us to this upcoming weekend. Of course, games kick off on, I want to just check if it's Friday or Saturday. Friday. It is Friday, July 21st. Um, what I'll do here, I'm going to go through my pickums. I'm actually going to start with Friday, July 21st in the APAC region or in the Eastern region, um, just because I am not too familiar with these teams at all. But I really want to try and make something of an educated guess here. So we're going to start things off on Friday, July 21st, Mountain Time, of course, at 2 a.m. with the Guangzhou Charge taking on the Seoul Infernal. So looking at things from this past weekend, let's see. Guangzhou had a 3-1 over O2 Blast. They also had a 0. They lost to Hangzhou. Um, and Seoul, on the other hand, got a win over Poker Face. And who else did they? They also got a win over Hangzhou. So that makes things very difficult to predict. But I'm going to go with... I'm going to say Soul Infernal. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to say Soul takes that one, and I'm giving it to them 3-1. Then at 3.30 a.m. Mountain Time, of course, we see the Dallas Fuel taking on the Shanghai Dragon. So let's see, who did Dallas play? Shanghai beats Dynasty 3-1. Um, Dallas played Poker Face. Shanghai lost to Dreamers. Dallas beats 0-2. Ooh, man. Dreamers beats Pantera. All right, I'm giving it to Shanghai for no real reason, and I'm giving it to them 3-2. Then we have Dreamers and Poker Face. Of course, Poker Face getting a loss here. Dreamers getting a win. Uh, Poker Face taking another loss. Dreamers getting another win. Okay, I think I'm making the right choice here. I'm giving it to Dreamers 3-1. Then we come to Saturday, July 22nd, where O2 Blast takes on the Soul Infernal. And I think I'm giving this one to Soul. I'm just going to look and see how O2 did this past weekend. Ooh, O2 coming off two losses. Giving it to Seoul 3-1. Then, of course, we have Guangzhou Charge against Pantera. Now, right now, I have this down as 3-1 for Guangzhou. Let's take a quick look at Pantera. They lost to Dreamers, and they lost to the other Seoul, to Seoul Dynasty. 
Guangzhou, on the other hand, had a win against O2 and a loss against Hangzhou. Yeah, I'm giving it to the charge, 3-1 over Pantera. Then at 5 a.m., of course, Mountain Time, the Hangzhou Spark take on the Seoul Dynasty. Now, Hangzhou lost to the other Seoul team. Meanwhile, uh, the Dynasty lost to Shanghai. The Dynasty then won over Pantera, and Hangzhou then won over Guangzhou. I'm giving it to the Spark, 3-1. Then our final match for the Eastern region, we have... Uh, on Saturday, that is. With the Shanghai Dragons taking on Poker Face. Shanghai, let's see again here. Poker Face lost to Infernal. Shanghai, Shanghai, Shanghai lost to Dreamers, but won against Dynasty. Meanwhile, Poker Face, did they? They must have played a second game this past weekend. They lost to Dallas. I'm giving it to Shanghai 3 1. And that takes us to Sunday, July 23rd at 2 a.m. The Dallas Fuel take on Dreamers. Dreamers was actually looking pretty dominant over their opponents this past weekend. Of course, their opponents being Pantera and Shanghai. Dallas beating O2 Blast and Poker Face. So this could be a bit of an interesting match. I'm going to, you know, what the hell? I'm going to give it to Dreamers 3 2. Then at 3 30 a.m., the Hangzhou Spark take on Pantera. Um, of course, we know Hangzhou had one loss and one win, I believe. Yes, that's correct. Pantera, meanwhile, had two losses, so I'm giving it to Hangzhou, and I'm going to go 3-0, actually. Then our final match at 5 a.m. Mountain Time on Sunday, July 23rd in the Eastern Region, O2 Blast against the Seoul Dynasty. O2 and Seoul both losing on Friday, then Seoul getting a win over Pantera, and O2 losing as well. I'm giving it to the Seoul Dynasty, and I'm going 3-1. I'm going to save those predictions because I did make some changes from what I previously had. And now, let's take a look at the Western region. Let me just minimize a few things here. All right, so over in the Western region on Friday, July 21st, the San Francisco Shock take on the Los Angeles Valiant. And, I mean, I think that's a relatively easy pick. We're going to give it to the Shock 3-0. The Boston Uprising then take on the Toronto Defiant. And, unfortunately, I'm thinking Boston takes it, and I'm going to give it to them 3-0 as well. I'm making this whole day a day of three zeros because at 4 p.m. the Houston Outlaws take on the New York Excelsior, and I have them winning, uh, Houston winning 3-0 as well. Although, you know, New York didn't perform too badly this past weekend. They, I mean, they played against Vegas, and they, they you know, won that 3-0. They played against London, and they won that 3-0. So they, they had a couple of good wins, but they had a couple of soft teams, if you ask me. So I'm going to leave those. A day of three zeros on Friday, July 21st. Then Saturday, July 22nd at 1 p.m., we kick things off with the Florida Mayhem against the Boston Uprising. And I'm giving this one to Florida. Right now, Florida looks really good. Boston does as well. But I think, uh, I, I, you know, if I have to be analytical about it, I would say Florida's map loss to Vancouver on Sunday there was less significant than Boston's map loss against the Vegas Eternals. So I'm giving it to Florida 3-2, but there's a good chance that's going to be a pretty 50-50 match. I could go either way. After that, 2.30 p.m., the London Spitfire take on the San Francisco Shock. I had it as 3-1. I'm changing it to 3-0 for the Shock. I, I, I don't see much happening for London in this second half of the season. Finally, at 4 p.m. on Saturday, July 22nd, the Atlanta Rain take on the Houston Outlaws. Um, this is a 3-0 for Atlanta. Of course, we know that um, Atlanta, or sorry, yes, Atlanta and Houston faced each other in the midseason madness tournament. We saw Houston being strong back then, but it seems like they're off to a slow start here. Seems like they're kind of struggling after one weekend of play. So ultimately, I'm I'm putting this in favor of the rain. Did they play two? Did Houston play two matches? They did. They lost both their matches this past weekend. So, in favor of rain, three zero. Sunday, July twenty third at one p.m. Mountain Time, the London Spitfire take on the Los Angeles Valiant in something of a toilet bowl match. Right now, London sitting in 11th position with two wins and eight losses. The Valiant, of course, sitting one position below them in 12th with one win and nine losses. I have to give this to the London Spitfire based purely on that record alone. Oh, but but Vegas, or not Vegas, Valiant actually looking pretty good this past weekend, right? And I mean, pretty good is relative, like, yeah, they got 3-0 by Toronto, and Toronto previously a struggling kind of, uh, you know, lower-tier team. But that win over Gladiators, man, proved they got a fire in them. There's a chance they win this. There's a chance they climb out of that toilet bowl. I'm I'm going all Valiant here. I'm giving it to Valiant 3-2. I'm tempted to lower London's score, but I'm giving it to Valiant 3-2. 
Then, at 2.30 p.m., the Atlanta Rain take on the Toronto Defiant. And, unfortunately, as much as I'd love to give Toronto more credit here, I'm giving them a 3-0 for the Atlanta Rain. It's really unfortunate, because that has Toronto getting two losses this weekend, and that's going to be tough on them. We know their mental can be shaky at best. Um, we know that they got boomed in the entire first half of the season. They had a loss against London and other crappy losses. So, it's going to be a bad weekend for Toronto, unfortunately who is currently sitting at almost as exactly at 500 as they possibly could be. Our final match of the weekend, July 23rd at 4 p.m. Mountain Time, sees the Florida Mayhem taking on the New York Excelsior. Again, New York, a couple of easy wins this past weekend, you know, maybe gives them a bit of motivation. New York does have some decent players. I don't mind New York as a team. They are just kind of a cobbled together team. That's the that's the, the where their issue comes in. Um Florida, also a bit of a cobbled together team, but Florida, we all we all know Florida is impressive um, and they've had a really stellar season thus far. So I'll, I'll give Excelsior a map and I'll say this is Florida 3-1. I'm going to save those predictions because I think I did make a change or two there. But uh, yeah, that is going to be it for your pickums. And of course, with that being the end of our pickums and the end of our Overwatch League section of the show, we will... Head over to the outro and wrap things up. What a fascinating place. Can science alone unlock the path to enlightenment? You want to talk path to enlightenment? Just listen to One Man Watchpoint. This has, of course, been episode 117 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. Now, thank you so much for listening. Of course, you did just listen, so you now know that this is a podcast about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you enjoyed what you heard here, check me out over on Twitter, check me out on threads, check me out on Instagram, at SirDRJM, that's at SirDrJM. You can, of course, also follow my One Man Watchpoint threads account at one man watchpoint i'm also debating making a tiktok at one man watchpoint but we'll see what i do there so in any case follow me on all your socials and follow this podcast on apple Podcasts, on google Podcasts, on spotify give us five star reviews leave us a review tell your friends all that jazz if you leave us a review five stars only because that's the, why are you reviewing anything if you're not giving it five stars and of course if you give us a five star review i will read it on the show Bring your questions, bring your comments, bring your inquiries, bring whatever you've got as they relate to Blizzard games, as they relate to Overwatch, as they relate to the Overwatch League, as they relate to video games in general, to me, over on socials, and I'll bring it to the show. I'd love to interact with you over here. Once again, if you enjoyed what you heard here today on One Man Watchpoint, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast for even more Canadian Overwatch League action. And with all of that said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next week for episode 118. You have my thanks.